0: Hello friends and welcome back. Hope you had a good weekend, that you are doing well, that January is treating you well. And for anyone who prefers our kind of guest interview format, after two solo episodes, though, today we have an interview for you. So we're kind of back to our standard programming, I guess. Although sometimes I think it's fun to throw in a solo episode and share a bit more of my thoughts. So yes, we are back with another interview and i joined by Minda today and we are talking about improv, we're talking about play, uh, so some really fun topics. So let's dive in and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Minda to the podcast. So Minda welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to us.
1: Hi, yeah, my name is Minda kaur atwal I'm um based in Nottingham, and I am an improviser. I do improv comedy, I run workshops, um, and I also have a background in events and marketing, and I am an experienced designer. Um, So I combine all of my, I guess, my skills and my background together to deliver workshops um, using improv Mm -hmm. for well-being, for boosting mental health. Um, and for just having a bit of fun and uh, giving people a chance to play as adults yeah it's something we often don't do much as adults is it
0: and I love that experienced designer that sounds awesome (laughs) when you're (laughs) saying improviser I was thinking oh, I feel like a bit of an improviser because often on the podcast I'm an improviser (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) it sounds way better than winging it which is how I sometimes describe it which It's a skill it's definitely a skill and I think it's changed how I talk about a lot of things in my life as well I go well I just blagged it or I just winged it and I went well not everybody can just blag it or wing it so it's a skill there's a reason you can do these things without having to have a script to hand and the truth is as well is we are all improvising in our everyday lives when you tell somebody usually when you tell somebody oh I do improv I do improvisation um which but I've just realized that I haven't actually explained what it is because I always assume everybody knows what it is um it's essentially uh, so when I perform I get up on stage and I am performing without a script so that may be from prompts from an audience or from playing with team members and uh, depending on what it is we're doing we could be making up an entire play just on the spot and um, we could be playing funny games and a little bit like it's not quite the same it's a little bit like if you've ever seen those segments in mock the week where people are getting up and coming up with things there's games like that um, but Mock the Week apparently is scripted and it's all very well edited so I don't have the luxury of a script or editing or doing any preparation um, but what I do in workshops I focus less on teaching people to perform and more about the benefits of improvisation so you know thinking on your feet and, and everything that comes with it um, but yeah so every, every time I sort of tell somebody I do improv or improvisation the most common answer is or response is that, um, oh, I could never do that, or that sounds scary. Like, we improvise every day in our lives. All the conversations we have, the interactions, very few of them are pre-planned. So um, yeah, for anyone who is a little bit scared of it, you're, you're doing it every day. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, and thank you for the definition because I often ask
0: people for a definition, so you've preempted me there. Um, but I my background was as a teacher And that is, you've got obviously like a vague plan of like, this is what I'm going to do. And you might have, these are some questions that it's important that we look at, but you can't just be like, oh, I'm sorry, child, your question is great, but that's not on my script. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going there. So like you say, you are improvising. If someone asks you a question, you're not expecting you, you do think on your feet. I wonder if it's that idea of it being, um, you know, if it's like a performance, that a lot of us can feel that like oh, everyone's watching me on a stage kind of thing and whether it's that aspect
1: yeah i think that bit and that bit can be quite useful if i'm marketing myself or talk you know doing something where i need to present myself well it's kind of the thing i can show off about this i do this thing that, that intimidates a lot of people um but even in this a lot of the sessions that i run which aren't focused on teaching people to, that's not about getting up on stage it's just day to day life skills or um just playing the amount of pressure people or just all of us we put on ourselves to say the right thing I mean if anyone's done networking events or been to certain sessions where people like go around and just introduce yourself um which for someone with an ego like mine I love it I love talking about myself could do it all day um but a lot of people find that really scary or feel like what they're going to say isn't somehow good enough or they're not going to get the right words out um so it's really interesting to see it's not just about performing even for a lot of people those those small things I guess because I'm used to it, I sometimes take for granted and it's I get reminded of it because I work with people all the time, teaching them these skills. Um, they can be really difficult. I do remember I've just thought of a story of a time when I first started networking when I had I'd taken a break from working because my mental health hadn't been great. And I was like, I need to start connecting again, but I didn't have a business set up, I didn't have a job, so I was just going to connect with people and I went along to something where i was i was really sleep deprived i was tired i was not expecting it to be like a go around the room and introduce yourself kind of thing um so i had nothing prepared i didn't have an elevator pitch nothing like that and my words just got completely garbled up and i just sort of gave up mid-sentence and went do you know what i'm just bloody brilliant so if you want to come and have a chat with me afterwards please do and it, weirdly it worked i thought i'd embarrass myself I ended up with somebody coming up to me afterwards saying we're looking for people to help sort of network on behalf of some of our clients and things. And I'm like, you thought that was a good thing? Um, but I guess the sort of combination of vulnerability and thinking on my feet somehow had encouraged people to speak to me. So, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, that story
0: just popped into my yeah. head. Well, maybe it's an element of being kind of real because actually that's often what people respond to, isn't it? If it's really overly polished or uh, whatever, it can be a bit like, oh. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think in that process, my response had been quite authentic to me, where it was a thing saying I'm being quite confident. I'm telling you, I'm great, it, despite the fact I've just garbled my words, and so people could relate. But I wasn't apologising for the fact that it wasn't perfect. Yeah, it's well, so interesting. It, it's it is um a
0: difficult thing often for lots of people, and that especially if someone's like, oh, tell me about you, You're like. Mm. I don't, I don't know what do you, how would you want me to start like what do you what do you want to know yeah and and it can be so weird if you hear I did um a workshop this morning and so someone else introduced me and that was so weird because they were like saying oh you know and Hannah's got this amazing experience and really great and so this stuff I was like well that sounds great <laughs> like thanks very much and then it's just like I don't know there's like a
1: disconnect it just feels a bit weird I guess that's where imposter syndrome kicks in or where you're like, oh God, now I have to live up to this thing. That is one reason I do like improvisation. I am strangely, I'm much more confident going into situations where it's like, right, just stand up and talk and or deliver something with five minutes of preparation. I get much more nervous weirdly when I've had a really long time to prepare because I always feel like people's expectations and my expectations that i put on myself. And I'm always harsher on myself than I need to be. The, the thing I know I have. Um, but yeah i always find it interesting i for a lot of people the idea of being put on the spot is much worse but i kind of go well nobody's expecting it to be perfect when it's improvised or done on the spot whereas if you know i say i've had six months to prepare a presentation i'm like oh no it's got to be super slick and perfect i think also if you've had that long you've really
0: like maybe you've gone over it in your head so many times of like what how it's going to go mm-hmm. or you've you've maybe really like quite scripted it and it's not going to go like that because it's just not especially if it's interactive because you could think oh look well maybe someone will say this
1: they've probably got probably prepared for whatever's going thrown at you Well, i've sort of tried to i've tried to lean into that a little bit more and go do you know what i'm this kind of person and i don't maybe i'm not the person who's prepared for weeks in advance and has learned the script so i, I remember i did a presentation and it was called um how being a self-obsessed narcissist helped me win friends and influence people. Um, Just as a bit of a disclaimer, I'm definitely not a narcissist, but it was just a bit of an interesting title to get people into into the topic. And um, it was, I knew for ages that I had this talk coming up and I'd been procrastinating on it. I'd thought about it a lot because I was really interested in what I had to say and and the topic, but I hadn't created the slides. I hadn't written anything down. It was all in my head and then about a week or two before the presentation I got asked oh can you send us the slides over of course I didn't have the slides you know we need them by this point point. and I was like right well I better make it happen now because I've been given the, the super strict deadline and it was earlier than I expected and I um, I started trying to figure out how to make it work and put in a structure and I had lots to say but I was really struggling with the structure and making things flow and what to leave in and what to cut out and beginning middle and end and I just went I'm just going to go with it. And I problem solved it. I had um one slide to, you know, as a title slide. I had a slide at the end that had my contact details. And then the middle slide was just lots of random titles or, um, you know, a couple of words or a sentence. And some of them were humorous, some of them weren't. Um, and what I did was I got up on the day of the presentation and I said, I have so much to say about this topic and I need you guys to help me with it. And so what I did was I got the audience to choose some of the titles on, this, on the slide behind me that they found most interesting because I knew within each um, little uh, little sentence I'd written, I had stories to tell or um, advice to share, but it was just, I couldn't figure out quite how to make it flow. Um, and afterwards I had people coming up going, oh, it's really great how you got everybody engaging and picking things. And in my head I was like, that's how I got around my problem of, of not having this super clear structure and flow but actually people really liked it and thought it was a really great way of doing a presentation. And maybe if I had found a clear structure and and done it a more traditional way, it maybe wouldn't have been as effective. And it really allowed you to kind
0: of personalise it to what they wanted. It sounds like a fab structure. I um, For my workshop today, I had like a brief like bullet point thing and I'd known about it for ages. Actually, I only decided on the topic like a month ago. I was like, I, oh, this... And I was like, I'm kind of doing <laughs> some stuff. And actually, I had that. And then I really just kind of read the room and you know what people were saying they wanted to get out of the session and then kind of adapted around that. And people seemed to enjoy it. So um, maybe I'm an improviser, workshop holder. I don't
1: know. Yeah, because it's everything's there in your head and you are skilled and you have the information. It's just adapting it to people and again going... I could have a perfect what I consider a perfect script or a a workshop structure or a talk or whatever it is I'm doing it could be perfect an hour before but it may not work for the people in that room in that specific space and time um in which case it isn't that there isn't any way to be perfect so being able to adapt to what people need there and then I think is a really really useful skill
0: to have yeah yeah so I would love to we've kind of got off on a tangent but fab one Uh, (laughs) Um, so I'd love to hear more about the sessions that you hold and you know what you're helping people to to develop.
1: Yeah, um well I guess I'll start a little bit with how I got into improvisation because I think it's it's very relevant. Um so about I think that's about seven years ago now, I'm losing track with COVID times of of, time means nothing anymore, but I think it was about seven years ago. I moved back to Nottingham, which is where I'd grown up, and I've been I'd lived in a few places, but I've been living in Sheffield at that point and um, my mental health just was not great. Um, I'd been diagnosed with anxiety and depression when I was about between the ages of 18 and 20, but I hadn't really accepted it as part of who I was. I was like, well, I'm not the kind of person with depression or anxiety. And every time I sort of had fell into a bit of a what I call a bit of a pit or, or a, a downstage, um, and I got back out again, I'd be like, Well, this time things will be different. And then of course, if you don't accept it, it just keeps hitting you again and again and again. Um, but I think life just At some point, you just have to have to accept things. And for me, it was at this point, uh, my anxiety was super bad, and I just had to stop working and went, "All right, I'm going to take a break. I'm just going to stop completely." And I moved back with my family. I was really lucky that I could do that. And um, but I still needed ways to keep my brain going and engaged. And meeting people, I moved back to Nottingham, and I didn't there weren't very many people that I knew here because a lot of people had moved away or I'd been away and those, those relationships have kind of been, been lost. Um, so I was just trying out lots of different things and going to, going to lots of creative things, especially. And I went to, um, a drop-in session as I like, come along and it was weird. And I was thrown in at the deep end and we were playing games and I didn't really understand what I was doing. Um, but I enjoyed it and I clicked with the people and went, okay, well, I'm gonna come back and do more of this. And I love the fact that I could do something creative that didn't involve having to go away and do homework or practice by myself. Um, so yeah, I continued doing it. I ended up on the leadership team of this um, improvisation community or school, whatever you wanna call it. Um, but I started to realize that things could be done differently. I didn't feel like it was very inclusive. I felt like it was made for a very, it was quite cliquey at times. And I felt there was a big focus on performing. But for me, the benefits I got out of it were from just playing and being around other people and being a little bit silly and creative and um, a little bit like being a kid again. It was great. Yeah, I got a little bit frustrated with that. And I could see that there are a lot of people who could benefit from improvisation and the skills that we learn. Um, but our community wasn't really set up to, to be inclusive and welcoming towards them. So I just sort of went, well, if other people aren't going to do it, fine, I'll do it. And, um, so I just started running sessions and designing formats that I felt would be more inclusive and welcoming. Um, and yeah, I'm very focused on giving people giving people a sense that they they are in control because improvisation can be really scary. And if you're walking into a room with people who've been doing it for ages or already know each other or have that level of confidence, it could be really intimidating. Um, and I often found myself in situations where, I was either avoiding uh, showing up to something or I felt very uncomfortable because I felt like I'd be pressured into doing things I didn't want to do. And so I always run sessions. I make it very clear. You can say no to me. And a big rule around improvisation is saying yes and say yes to, you know, offers that are made or to the slightly scary thing or to the fun. Say yes to things and build on them. Um, And weirdly, I always set up my sessions by saying you can say no to me. You can say no to anything I ask you to do, anything anyone else asks you to do. You have the choice. But I've never had anyone say no. And I think a big part of that is because they know that they can keep going. And if they feel uncomfortable at any point, they've got to get out. They, they can stop. Whereas maybe in other people's sessions, um, they wouldn't feel comfortable to do that. So um, that's kind of how I ended up getting into it and, and sort of some of my thoughts behind it. I think it's for me, it's always about putting people first. Because I'm not, I don't put on um, shows I perform and things like that. I don't run a theatre. I'm not putting on shows. I don't, my priority is always about making sure people are having a good experience and getting what they want out of it and leaving feeling good and confident. It's not about whether they're performing in a way that suits me or I'm going to want to put them on stage. Um, So that's, yeah, that's how I got into it. And it's been really interesting and working with different groups of people. People have got different levels of confidence, different backgrounds. Um, I've recently just started working with a group who um, a group of women, they're mostly immigrants and they have all different levels of English um, speaking skills. And, and they were sort of referred from a, um, a domestic abuse charity organization. and I work with them. And it's been really lovely to see how just little nudges can help boost people's confidence. Um, but also contrasting with different types of groups of people. So I've run exercises for um, a lot of businesswomen in Nottingham, some of whom do creative business as well, and just seeing the difference in how, both the differences and the similarities actually in how people react to improvisation. So yeah, for me, a lot of it's around play, but it's mostly about making people feel good about themselves, building their confidence, and helping them de-stress
0: yeah and I wonder something I'm curious about and I don't know whether this is maybe using improv in a slightly different way to the way you do but I have this idea that you know when you're really like angry if you could like act out a scene and really like get it out in in that kind of context that, that it would be really therapeutic or if you've got a boundary that someone is crossing you like, I don't know how to you know to kind of improv around yeah reinforcing that 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 could give you a real confidence boost and I don't know if that's you know
1: yeah that's really interesting so yeah I, I have thoughts on this because it's it's in the world of improv all of this stuff is fascinating to me so I yeah I like to try to set clear boundaries in my improv because while I do you know it does help with mental health and it can be very therapeutic it isn't therapy so we do have to be careful in, in terms of what we go into and, and boundaries and, and looking after people um but ultimately as well anything that you are saying or the way you are reacting whether it's in a game or a scene or whatever it is we're doing it's coming from your head and it's coming from where you're feeling there and then in the moment so it is only natural that whatever if there's something playing on your mind it's going to impact the way that you play um I mean, think about like being a kid, if a kid's just been told off or something, they might be, you know, and then they're sent off to play, they might be a little bit strappy for a bit, or they might be, you know, however they've just reacted, they're going to take that into their next interaction with with other kids or other people. Um, So I think, yeah, it can be an interesting thing. And I think we learn a lot about ourselves through playing. So it can be really useful in that sense. But it is just about setting those careful boundaries and making sure we're not treating it as therapy it's therapeutic but it isn't therapy
0: yeah and I think that's a really clear uh, important distinction isn't it and I guess it's also if you've got a group keeping everyone safe and if I'm really angry and it maybe would really help me <laughs> to to let that out in an impromptu shout at someone well it's probably not going to help the other person to be shouted at yeah. because <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: exactly so it's just kind of working out sometimes as well you can sense like in a group situation like do you know what Whatever activities we have planned, they are just not going to work. You guys have had a long day or you're stressed out or whatever it is, let's shift things. Um, Or maybe actually somebody is in a really bad mood and you're like, okay, what exercise can we do to to help this person that's going to help them, you know, de-stress a little bit and get into the right, um, get into a better mindset.
0: And do you find that when people, you know, first come, there's maybe all the the nerves, but do you, do you think people find it difficult to get into that sense of play? Because as adults, I think it sometimes can be something that we just don't often
1: make time yeah. for. Yeah, um, I think it's really it's been so interesting just to see how hard some people find it. I think if you're the kind of person where you've signed up to a traditional, especially improvisation class or course you probably already have an element of that. Like you've already said yes to something along the way. There's something in your personality or your life experiences that have gone, yes, this, this might be for me. Um, if it's a group of people where they've sort of been told, hey, here's a thing you can do, and it hasn't necessarily been off their own backs or worse, I don't particularly like working people who feel like they've been pushed into it by their boss or something like that. And they're like, right, we're going to do improv. And they're like, we don't want, you know, one of those forced trading sessions. Um, but yeah, seeing how different people react. Um, A few years ago, I spent time in the Netherlands working in a service design um, company. And there, they used a lot of creative activities that totally shifted my way of thinking about a lot of the work that I do and and particularly business-related stuff. And I learned about Lego series play, which is using Lego within workshops to help. Um, It could be troubleshoot ideas or or idea creation, all kinds of things. Um, And lots of different tools and exercises that to me from the outside just looked like the kind of things you would give a child to do which might be creating collages or cutting things up or creating um little like little models or something of a a space in order to solve business problems or come up with new ideas and i saw sort of these very serious looking businessmen in gray suits who you would kind of think they would never get into this but they did and they really enjoyed it and it worked for them um so kind of seeing even even the people who you might think okay they're never going to get it actually it's just a case of unlocking that side of them and making them feel comfortable and like they're not going to be made fools of or be made to do things that they don't want to do um I just had as well with one of the groups of women that I worked with I I was pushing them slightly a little bit more out of their comfort zones and she hadn't fully understood the instructions to an exercise so I repeated them and she went oh so you want me to actually like a fool and I was like yeah, I mean yes I guess I do I want you to act like a fool because to her um, she it was a very unusual thing to do to kind of act in a slightly more childlike way or use her imagination like that um, but I think it's for some of us as well it's really interesting from my diversity point of view as to who finds it easier to fall into that that kind of mindset um, I was speaking to somebody and saying there's certain things I maybe feel a bit uncomfortable with because I spend some of my life and especially some of my working life having to, to work harder to be taken seriously, whether it's as a woman or a British Indian woman, all of those things. So acting a bit silly or taking those risks might feel harder um, because I've I've had to spend so much of my life fighting against that to be taken seriously. And there's other people who, depending on the, the way they've grown up and what messages they've received, like, well, don't do that. You're an adult now, or that's for children. And, you know, um, or whether they've just, they, they have to fight harder to be respected. Um, there can be sort of obstacles to overcome to get people into that mindset
0: yeah thank you for sharing that and and i wonder if anyone who's listening who's thinking yes i need to get me a little bit of this <laughs> and try it obviously if they're around nottingham they can or maybe we'll find out details at the end because you might have online stuff going on yeah. um i guess they can find improv workshops but is there anything that we can kind of do i don't know if you can improvise by yourself but that we can kind of do Ooh. in our
1: lives to um bring a little bit in do you know what there are improvisation workshops you can do by yourself and and exercises and things At the top of my head i will be put on the spot and figure out one but um do you know what i will recommend a friend of mine who has just had a book out and she has exercises in it that i love her book um it's called improv your life and it's by pippa evans and um it's quite new but she um she talks about her journey through improv and she talks about um, she has exercises within that book that you can do by yourself to to improv your life and um, yeah I love her she's absolutely brilliant and she is also in the Olivier Award winning um, improvised musical show Showstoppers so um, Mm -hmm. that's that's what I would recommend if you're uh, taking your first steps
0: into improv yeah awesome thank you and before we move on to my set questions I wonder if you've got a final thought about improv mental health life in general that you'd like to share with us
1: yeah I think for me um improv is not it's not a cure and I find it really interesting there are a lot of people in the improv world who um have depression or anxiety and who do often talk about it as if it's this amazing thing that that has fixed them and I I always get a bit nervy around that it makes me uncomfortable because a lot of it's to do with people and I always say I love improv but if I hadn't found improv, it would have been something else. It was me that that has worked through my mental health struggles. Um, but it is definitely something that has played a big part. and I think the reasons behind that is it's that creative element like we know a lot of a lot of creative activities that um can help boost our mental health, but it's also that social element. so there's a lot of, it's one of the few things I found where. I had a chance to be really social and connect with other people and build those relationships um, that perhaps certain other creative activities, I, I couldn't, I didn't really feel like I could get that or I would find it a bit harder. Plus the fact that you're just being completely in the moment. So I used to do um, mindfulness sessions. I used to go on a Thursday evening and I would always fall asleep. I would feel better afterwards, but I would have to force myself to go. And I was like, I don't, don't get it. But I kind of get the same thing of being in the moment from improv that I get from mindfulness and I love the fact that you know boosting your mental health doesn't have to be this serious thing I'm already depressed I don't want to go along to something where I've got to sit and be serious and potentially start to feel even more depressed um so I love the fact that there are finding things that help you it doesn't necessarily have to be the most obvious path or everybody else's path it can just be uh, whatever brings you joy um but yeah, always. I think just anything that brings a little bit of humor and playfulness into our lives—that's that's the other top tip. Just find something that is about playfulness and whatever that means to you. For me, that is improv, but that it can mean anything to anyone. Um, and it's just the idea of doing something without it feeling like I'm doing this because it's good for me. I do that with exercise, whether it's to lose weight or to tone up or to for your health, um, or whether it's meditation, because you know things that you know are good for you. But if you're like me, you feel like you're being forced to do stuff because I'm a little bit of a child. and Whenever I'm told something's good for me. Whereas improv is just play. There's no end. I'm not trying to get to an end goal. Um, And I think there's very few things in our life where we get to do that. It always feels like as a grown up, I always feel like we are trying to achieve something constantly. And even in our relaxation it feels like if we're not doing something to achieve an end goal we're somehow wasting our time we're not being productive so find the joy find the way to play that works for you that's awesome thanks so much and i am
0: definitely curious about trying improv so you've sold me on it <laughs> so um yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions and actually um I've got a couple of buzzwords that have informed these questions and the first one you've already mentioned a couple of times that's very exciting so um, my first question is what brings you joy in your life
1: oh what brings me joy um people I think is for me and I think that's central to my own business and any work that I do it's people connecting with people having conversations particularly if they spark off ideas and also knowing that I have created a positive experience with someone that I've left them in someone and they're feeling even better than they did before we, we got talking. I think that for me is joy.
0: Awesome. And um, my next one is sometimes similar, sometimes not. Uh, what makes life meaningful for you?
1: Oh well, yeah. I guess for me, again, it's the same thing. I've been thinking about this cause I've been working a little bit in my business recently and thinking about my why Um, both in business and in life. And I think, yeah, it's again, it's people and having that connection and knowing that you've made a difference to someone. And it could just be in a very tiny, small way, but I think that that's really important to me. And I think it's just become even more clear because we've had this huge period of lockdown and being disconnected from people um, and not necessarily feeling that connection in the same way um, for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my next two questions are around
0: our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental well-being. So the first one is, what does mental wellness or mental well-being mean to you? Um,
1: for me, what does it mean? It's it's a difficult one because I think it's covered so much of my life in terms of I'm now 32. I think if I look back, my struggles with depression, anxiety probably happened when I was. About sixteen, or at least that's where it became obvious to me. So it's one of those things where you talk about mental health and well-being. It's just life to me because I'm, I'm not sure I know the difference. Um, but for me, I think it's when I feel. For me, it's it's the chance to to fulfil my potential. If that makes sense, feeling good about how I'm living my day-to-day life, not feeling that guilt that I think I had for a really long time that I wasn't meeting my potential, I wasn't doing what, in quotes, I should be doing. Um, and I think it's a sense of peace and happiness. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And then my follow up is always for yourself. What do you do to look after your mental well being? So I've started to get much better at this because, like I said, sometimes I can be a child and I fight all the things that I know are good for me. But I think I finally reached a stage in life where I've gone. Do you know what? Actually, getting enough sleep is really important. I used. To, I don't know how I did this. I used to do a nine to five and like three hours of sleep. And then I would crash on a Saturday morning, get up, go visit another city where my friends were, go on a crazy night out. And then, yeah, it's no surprise that I crashed. So I think learning to accept that sometimes being a grown up is a good thing. Um, So things like sleeping a lot more. I started uh, waking up earlier, even on days where I've got quite a flexible timetable, because as much as I still don't want to fully admit it, I do feel happier when I'm waking up earlier in the day and getting more daylight. I've recently learned that there are certain types of yoga I think I actually like, which I've resisted for a very long time. Um, And then, yeah, the rest of it is, I think, chasing the the things that make me happy and bring me joy. I think as soon as I start trying to box myself into things that I think I should be doing or that I'm meant to be doing or what the other grown-ups are doing, um things start to go a little bit wrong for me so following a little bit more of an authentic life I hope that doesn't sound too woo woo but no not at all
0: it sounds like you're almost kind of using that that idea of the improv and the playfulness in your life and kind of how you're putting everything together
1: yeah I think because for a long time I resisted that idea of you know well actually I am just a natural improviser in life as well as when I'm not on stage That and leaning into it, like I said, with the presentation story I told earlier, leaning into it and using that to my advantage rather than trying to follow that set path or that set script that we think we have to do and being able to react to things that are, you know, opportunities or people that are thrown our way and um, saying yes to them. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um,
0: So the next question is sometimes a bit of a challenge for people. So we'll see. Um,
1: How would you describe your own mindset? oh my own mindset um that is a challenging question again it's a little bit like you talk about yourself um oh, give me a, give me a second and I'll think about that because I want to give you I want to give you a fully honest answer and not the answer that I'm like this is how I want to project myself and how people want to see me <laughs> I think it's play like a playful mindset I think playfulness It keeps coming back to that but I think it's just such a it's a word that I just connect with really really strongly um I think yeah playful curious and um yeah I think playful and curious are the words when I think about my mindset and then I suppose there's other things where I want to say but it goes very much into the like I'm having a job interview and I want to impress you all um but no those are the the two strongest words playful and curious yeah awesome Uh, great words so my
0: this is my favorite question to ask because i'm curious it's one of uh, my words i used to describe myself uh, so i ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips of things that we could try in our life that could have a big impact so do you have a top one to three things for us
1: um yeah okay so number one uh, i touched on it before it would be um all those things that you've been resisting have a little bit think uh, have a think about why you've been resisting them so for me a lot of it was around sleeping or being healthier and how I ate and and movement and it's taken me this long to get to the point of going I I accept that these things are good for me and they ultimately make me happier um so questioning the things that you're resisting and trying to and see if it's for a good reason or whether it's actually not necessarily serving you anymore so that would be my number one tip Um, number two would be I'd say play play more I have to of course it's central to everything that I do Um, we don't do as as much as we could do as adults we we end up switching into this lifestyle where we feel like we have to be taken seriously and we have to be grown-ups and we have to think about all the things on our to-do list but actually taking the time to play and maybe bring it into our work as well can make such a big difference I know for me when I take the time to be a little bit more creative and play, I come up with better solutions to problems. Whether that's things I'm struggling with, or somebody I'm consulting or working with um, in an organization, just so you know, better things happen when you take that time to be playful and curious. I think those are my top two. Was there another one you wanted? Was it three? Well, it's one to three, so it's up to you Ooh. how many you do. Um, and then my, I think yeah. So third one. Here's one. Um, I think connect with people and I think lockdown and COVID has shown us just how important other human beings are and it's been really interesting to see how opportunities have opened up because of Zoom and online life to connect with people all over the world um, but also it's shown us how important it is to connect with other human beings and I think again as adults it can be really difficult um, meeting new people. It can be a bit strange like right? when you don't have school or university or workplaces where you you meet people who you bring out the best in you but um exploring and getting curious and trying new things so like i said like i did when i found improv or i still do it i go to weird creative events or i go to museums and i try to find situations where i can connect and talk to people and it may just be one conversation that i have that i go home and i'm like you know what i love that i connect with somebody or it may be I connect so much that we end up meeting up again and they become a friend for life so um connect with others and take the time and the opportunities when you can to meet other people
0: yeah amazing thank you so much three awesome tips and i think that one as adults like you said it it can be i was thinking as you were saying that you know about making friends as an adult can be so difficult because yeah when you're younger it's like at school or at like some club that you go to but for adults and I had this really weird conversation with someone once after we'd been on this course together. <laughs> Are we like friends? Are we... <laughs> Which is just like, but actually, it was quite helpful to have like this slightly like, awkward conversation because it's just sometimes a bit harder. It's, it's
1: always so funny because it's almost like you're asking someone on a date. Like, do do you want to get a coffee after this? Do you want you know? And um is it appropriate to can I, uh, do on Facebook? And it it happens all the time, and it's really funny just to when I see it happening also when I'm part of it and I think sometimes just recognising going oh it's a bit awkward but I really yeah we get on I really like to continue chatting with you because I've also been in situations where people seem to have clicked really well and it's like well it's over now so we're all going off to our own separate lives and I just think oh what a wasted opportunity Um, but I think sometimes just saying what the awkward thing is out loud and taking that risk is uh, worth the payoff yeah absolutely I,
0: yeah I get a well, boy. It's like improv, maybe improv. Like, hey,
1: let's get coffee, but not in a weird. Yeah. Way. Um, <laughs> just, I think sometimes it's just taking um, taking the risk, and you know, we all have a fear of rejection. And sometimes it happens. They just go, "Well, I'm busy," or actually, they didn't. They weren't interested in making new friends and letting it go. But it's a bit of a game of statistics. It's a bit again. It's very much like dating. It's like if you and there's a good chance they are also struggling, or they want to meet people or they clicked with you um, but just don't know how to ask it and not feel weird yeah i guess like yeah statistically speaking if you ask like 10 people
0: yeah. someone hopefully is, well, <laughs> is gonna uh, it's gonna
1: yeah a very random story about this i once went on a it was sort of a date but not quite a date in um, amsterdam and ended up being with a professor from um university i think he was in anthropology and he happened to be working on research in um on dating and online dating. And I asked him, I told him about a friend of mine who gets very nervous about first dates and stresses out about them. And at the time I was dating a lot and I had was kind of the opposite um, of her. And I just sort of said, what is it about this mindset? And his response was, yeah, it's, you just do it so much that actually the rejections don't hit you so hard because you have, you know, the positives outweigh them. And so you don't put so much emphasis and focus on the times where you are rejected or somebody says no because you have so many other people saying yes or so many other positive experiences. And it's it's horrible because there's lots of cases that in life where you just have to do things and take the risk and face rejection. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes and um, the re- rejections don't hit so hard. And that's another like... I don't know, a bit of advice for
0: people that we've just like thrown in there. Yeah. bonus <laughs> bonus bit. Um, my next question is like a recommendation question. So I love to read, also love TED Talks. Mm-hmm. So is there a book or a TED Talk that you've seen that has been really impactful in your life um, that you'd like to share
1: with us? Um, well, I would definitely say, again, Pippa Evans' book, Improv Your Life. I loved reading that and it just made me smile throughout. Um, so I would definitely say that. Um, for other books... I don't think there's been sort of one standout thing for me that sort of I pick up bits and pieces from different places. I often struggle with a lot of self-help books or business guidance books because I think people can be saying the exact same thing but you just got to find the person who says it in a way that speaks to you best. I did enjoy when I was starting to look into manifestation things because I am Sort of, I always call myself a bit of a cynic and I'm not the kind of person who considers themselves to be particularly spiritual or anything like that. But I just went through a phase where I was suddenly I'm gonna look into this manifestation thing, and the secret didn't really work for me. But um, a woman, Pam Grout, has written um, a couple of books. Uh, I think her first one was called E Squared, and I just like the way it was written and the, the kind of it helped with my mindset. I think, particularly when I was struggling with my mental health quite a lot. and um playing into my idea of playfulness and curiosity and just getting excited about what opportunities could be out there Um, so yeah I think that that was a really interesting one for me at that point in my life awesome thank you so much for that and then
0: that brings me to my final question which is quite sad because I've been really enjoying chatting with you Um, and that is where people can connect with you and if you've got anything going on kind of online that people can join in if or
1: if they're in Nottingham uh, where can we find you Yeah, so I am running a session in August, a taster session at Nonsuch Theatre in in Nottingham, but um, I also do Zoom sessions and um, in non-COVID times, I can often be found in London and all over the place. But the best way to connect with me is either through Instagram or Twitter, um, where I'm just at Minda K. Athwal, And I'm sure you'll be able to find my details in the information shared about uh, about the podcast. Um, or you can drop me an email and I will, or you know, via my website and I will leave that those details with Hannah as well.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Minda. And yeah, absolutely, we'll put all the details in the show notes so people can kind of connect with you from there.
1: And when we share... I always have that problem because, yeah, people can never remember my name. I do own a website domain called MindaRhymesOfTinder.com, but I've not done anything with it. But I feel like I should just use it to redirect <laughs> to my actual website. Well, interestingly, and I had... Um,
0: I always sort of, you know, look at people's names because I want to pronounce them correctly because that's just polite. Um, and so I was pretty sure, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Minda. But then sometimes if it's one, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure, I'll sometimes Google, like, how do you pronounce this? And I found, I think it was an American one, it was going, Minder. And I was thinking, no, I don't <laughs> think that's right. <laughs> so I went with my my gut instinct, which was... You got right. it right.
1: There is also a Muslim dating app, also called uh, Minder, which uh so if you just googled that that is probably the first thing that would come up um and also i get lots of references to the tv show minder when people see my name but it is minder, rhymes with tinder
0: <laughs> i mean that's a fun website that's kind of and it's and memorable
1: people right people remember it when i say
0: it yeah yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Minda, for joining us. I've i really enjoyed speaking with you. I think improv is something that I've sort of had in my mind of, oh, that might be quite interesting to to try. And that's definitely um reconfirmed that. So I'm gonna be
1: I'm not that I'm not very near Nottingham, but <laughs> I'm definitely gonna try I can out. definitely recommend some people I'm sure that are near you. Yeah. And um, that would be fun to play with. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that sounds really weird and sort of uh <laughs> Yeah.
0: I think that's the thing for adults. Sometimes when you say
1: play sometimes we kind of go oh oh yeah I mean you (laughs) you can play in that way if you like there is somebody I know who's um running a session using improvisation and talking about um like kink and and kinkiness and things there's like lots of different ways to use improvisation um I'll leave it at that if anyone is interested (laughs) in finding that workshop if you contact me I'm sure I'll be able to pass on the link (laughs) no judgment at all yeah 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 I think it's
0: that isn't it it's letting go of that what you think people think you should be doing what you should be doing and kind of just going what am I into and if you're into yeah. improv and kink then hey
1: if it go. makes you happy and you're not hurting anyone else then why not yeah exactly I think
0: that's an awesome and um, quite fun place to finish the
1: podcast <laughs> so thank you yeah, again go out and play with other people eventually
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> oh thank you so much Minda thank you very much So, thanks again to Minda. And actually, Minda's workshop was August just gone. So, we're kind of, I think this is the last of the interviews from the sort of big bank of interviews that I'd recorded to come out. So, um, definitely check out her website and uh, find her to, to see if there's anything that she has going on if you're interested. Um, and yes, I really, I really enjoyed this conversation. I still haven't checked out improv. Um, I definitely, when, when Minda was saying about the reminder of sleep, definitely something I'm feeling at the moment from working a couple of sort of later, working and volunteering actually sort of some later hours. So definitely that has been a reminder for me. And actually something I was thinking about listening back to this episode was uh, when Minda said that having tried mindfulness and that not really working for her. And I think sometimes things will come along that kind of get held up as this amazing kind of cure-all. And I think sometimes that happens a bit with mindfulness. Like, it is this amazing thing. And I think it can be really great. Um, And there's some really great approaches around mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. But it doesn't work for everyone. So if you are listening and you're thinking, I've tried it, it just doesn't work, it makes me feel worse, then... I just wanted to, um, yeah, just to, to kind of bring that up that that's okay, not everything works for everyone and maybe something that is more active, something that you are more in the moment doing uh, something or being active in some way maybe works better. So having a bit more fl- flexibility and really kind of figuring out what works for you because life is not one size fits all and I really like the message that for me came out in this conversation of being playful, of being curious, of finding things that bring you joy and trying things out and sort of taking that little bit of a risk and trying because sometimes you don't know if if something's going to work for you until you try it. But also not being disheartened if something doesn't work for you, that maybe that's just not the right thing for you and to try something different. Yeah. And try a few things, play at a few things, not taking it too seriously until you find something that does work for you. So yeah, that's my kind of takeaway. Um, I'd love to hear what your takeaways are so you can connect with me across social media at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. I always love to hear from you. So any feedback, any suggestions, anything like that, then do get in touch And we will be back next week with another episode. So until then, as always, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.